Welcome to Melanated Faith, a podcast about faith and culture. On this podcast, you're going to hear the truth spoken, the tea spilled, and pop culture explored by your co-host, Faith and Catherine. My name is Faith. I am a social worker, a writer, and the director of programs for Be The Bridge. I love travel, justice, and being an auntie. My name is Catherine. I'm a lawyer, teacher, and writer, and lover of Jesus, Justice, and Beyonce. Hey. And welcome to the show. This is a special edition in honor of our friend Tasha Morrison's book, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. We thought we would give you a little taste of her book, give you some of our thoughts, and why you should purchase it. Let's dive in. Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to be talking about chapter three, an invitation to empathize. We're going to be talking about acknowledgement and lament and their role in the reconciliation process. So Faith, what do you think about the purpose of lament? What is the purpose of lament in the reconciliation process? So page 41 explains this perfectly. So I'm going to read just a little snippet. And it says, what is the purpose of lament? It allows us to connect with and grieve the reality of our sin and of our suffering. It draws us near to a repentant connection with God in that suffering. Lament also serves us as an effort to change God's mind, to ask him to turn things around in our favor. Lament seeks God as a comforter, a healer, a restorer, and a redeemer. And somehow the act of lament leads us to hope and redemption. That's good. So good. That's a good word. And I I love that it encompasses all of the things that lament involves. And I think really kind of gets at the heart of why lament is a part of the reconciliation, what it means to be reconciled to one another. Because I do think, you know, we so often when something goes wrong, this is a very American tendency. How can I fix it? Like, what can I do? Like, I want to move. Okay, you told me that I don't know history. You've told me like these things. And it's like, okay, how do I fix that? How do I fix um, the criminal criminal justice reform? Or how do I fix, you know, systemic racism? Um, and we don't give our spa- ourselves space to to, to lament, to be sad. Um, and I think we don't recognize really how essential that is to the process. And I just love this definition because I think it gets at both giving yourself the space, but then it also talks like lament is active and it is an active part of the process. Yes. And I think the thing with lament that I, I think more people have to sit in is the fact that we it is okay to have emotions and to be human and to mourn yeah. and to grieve and to have this, the experience, the feelings of sadness. You know, I mean, I think that oftentimes we um, are rushed through that process. There's no time to truly grieve. And um, because the black community specifically, I'll speak from my experience, it's we're a collective culture, right? So when something happens, you know, like you saw it with Michael Brown, when with his shooting, when all of that went down, like we collectively were mourning as a community. 
And um, I think oftentimes that's misunderstood by the majority culture um, who views themselves more individualistic and less as a communal set of group of people. And so lament in that and sitting in that, that is real. That's particularly real. I feel like for the black community, whenever these, you know, you see shootings and things like that happen, because one of my first thoughts is, oh my gosh, that could have been my brother. He's tall, he's big, he's black. And society views just his body as a weapon. And there's, there's, there's a grieving process there and a lamenting process. When I see something happen um, to black men specifically in some of these shootings, when it's, you know, involving the police and, and other aspects, like it just, it's a grieving because you're just thinking, Oh God, like so sad for what's happened, praying for that family. But also like, Oh, I hope that doesn't happen to my family member. Like you're just, you're hoping, yeah. you know, I hope that doesn't happen to my cousin yeah. or, or whoever, because you see it and you see that, that person like that's special in your life they it's like that connection you know so yeah yeah I think that's so good and I think you know I think this is one of the gifts I will say I don't think this is specific to um the black experience I think many minority cultures tend to be more communal and how they view things and I really think that guys that is such a gift that the American church could learn from maybe these minority cultures um Jill Briscoe, I heard a few years ago, tell this story about when she went to Cambodia to visit um, the monument to the a genocide in, in Cambodia. And she was talking to Cambodian Christians. And one of the things she said in that conversation, which has always stuck with me, is that the woman who was like her tour guide basically told her that the difference between Christians here and Christians in America is that Christians in America pray to avoid any kind of suffering. And what they have learned in Cambodia is like, God, give me the strength to bear that. Mm. And I just think that's so powerful. And that is such a gift. Like the reality, guys, is in this world, there will be suffering and we cannot both in the reconciliation process, but also just in life general, like try to live in a way in which we never sit with how we're actually feeling. Um, And I just want to say, I mean, like this is more Faith's area because she's a social worker and mental health, but there are so many African-American Christians who are walking around so wounded by this process because they never let themselves feel how they're feeling. And it is okay to lament. It is a critical part of this process. I think both majority culture Christians need to learn how to lament, but I think that for Black Christians, like just like you don't know, owe anybody a rushed process. Like it is okay to be sad. I mean, when Alton Sterling was killed right on the back of like, I think Terrence Crusher and Alton yeah. Sterling were killed kind of in a very short time period. I took a mental health day from work. Like I literally, I can't be here. I can't think about whatever it is, is going on here. I just like mentally needed to be in my house with my Bible, with my praise and worship music my coffee for adults, my glass of wine. Like I just needed (laughs) that time to just really like pray and heal and talk to God. And I just feel like we don't give ourselves that space. Um, And I think the book does such a great job of just talking about how lament is a critical part of the process. Like for you too, sis, like for you too, Mm -hmm. sis, like take that moment and don't feel like, like if you can't be in this space, like that's okay. And like, 
that's a part of the process too. Like you taking time away to lament because I mean, when you see these things and you, you see on the news, like these black men and black women being killed, um, Sandra Bland, when you see that, like it does affect you. Like there is something. Yeah. And so, you know, like you don't owe it to anybody to pretend like it's not traumatic. And I think also too, like for majority culture Christians, like just learning that don't always rush to what can I do? Maybe the first step is praying, God, give me eyes to see. Yes. And sitting in that. Yes. Sitting in that. Give me eyes to see. Also going back to what you were talking about, about the mental health, you know, elements. The fact of the matter is, is that we have you know, in the Black community, 400 years of generational trauma. And when you learn about trauma and how trauma is actually gets passed down in your DNA, it can change the structure of your DNA from generation to generation. Trauma, like we're just talking about just about the, this is true. Like, I mean, I've read a book on this and it's just, it's fascinating and scary, but you will see if you think about the trauma that we've experienced as a community, how that has affected us and how it is passed down in our DNA. Like it explains a lot. Um, and we have to take care of ourselves because you like this pain and this suffering and the anguish of these situations can actually take you out really can kill you. Yeah. And I have seen people in this work advocating and they die. Like the stress Eric that it Garner's puts, daughter. Yes, the stress it puts on your heart, your mind, your emotions. And if you don't take care of yourself, it will take you out. And it's so um important that we find these safe spaces to let ourselves sit in this lament and to let ourselves feel these feelings too. If you need to find a counselor, somebody to talk to, please do it. Don't allow um, all of this to send you to a place emotionally that you have no help to walk through it, that you have no, no help to get through this because sometimes you can't do this on your own. You can't carry the burden and the heaviness of, um, of what you're walking through, this lament dealing with race, racism in America, all the effects of it, how it's affected your life and expect to be superhuman and not need, you know, some time to process and or to even talk to a professional to help you walk through it. Yes. Don't be afraid to talk to a professional, to get a counselor. And I just think even too, when you engage in the reconciliation con conversation, um, Again, I just want to say for majority culture Christians, like give people the space and then for yourself, like practice when you read something, read a book or see a news article, just sitting in silence and just praying about it first before moving to this is what this means. This is what we need mm -hmm. to do. Like really train your mind, retrain your mind to take a beat and create that space for lament. Yeah. And, um, one last thing I'll say before we um, end this, I, one of the amazing things that um, Latasha has done with the Be The Bridge private Facebook group that was started over um, three years ago, it now has over 23,000 people in it. But one of the main rules is um, you have to, if you join the group, you have to be in three months of silence to listen and learn um, from the group, to go through the units, to educate yourself. So Be The Bridge, you know, as an organization has already like set a precedence for the importance of 
lament for the importance of silence, for the importance of learning to sit in it. And um, I think that as you go through this chapter, think through ways that you can sit in it. How can I sit in this before I want to jump to a solution, before I want to jump to solving the problem and starting an organization? Let me look around at who's already doing this work. How can I be a part of funding it? How can I be a part of giving? How can I be a part of donating? So many people want to start their own thing when there's things already happening. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you can invest in this work. Also, just a plug. If you want to donate to Be The Bridge and become a monthly partner, you can do that. And that is available to you. Don't forget, get that money, honey. (laughs) Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us for episode three. We will see you back next time. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, Be The Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation by our friend Latasha Morrison. Available now wherever books are sold. Get your copy. Get your copy.